0: Here we come. The U.S. Men's National Team is back in the Gold Cup final, fifth consecutive time. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. School Golarcep. What's up, man?
1: What is going on,
0: Garrett? Chilling, dude. Just enjoying the U.S. Men's National Team victory. Well,
1: I tell you what, it's uh, it's becoming a habit now. You know, winning is a habit apparently for the U.S. Uh, Ten wins in a row. Uh, they just they're just looking pretty unstoppable in this Gold Cup tournament
0: is this you know just we could talk about the game but in your recent memory obviously have you seen a us team just rolling like this before
1: well when you talk about in a competi- in a tournament itself no there's never been uh in, in my memory a, a us team that was this dominant in a tournament uh before and again obviously this you know you, you're talking about a tournament where all the teams in it are missing key players even panama they're missing their uh, Felipe Bloy. um but, you know, so does the U.S. U.S. is, is obviously, you know, this is a, a B team slash B plus A team at this point now with Matt Beesler and Eddie Johnson uh, on the team now. But the way they're just putting opponents away, playing attractive soccer, attacking soccer, generating chances, scoring goals on a consistent basis. Uh, I mean, when I think about, you know, when you think about it, um, I, I try to think. The 2007 Gold Cup final team was pretty strong. Uh, obviously, they beat Mexico, a full-strength Mexico team, uh, to win that one. But again, even they had trouble. I mean, when you i remember in the semifinal, they they struggled to beat Canada, and uh, and they had, they had some trouble with Panama that year. So even even that team didn't dominate the way this team has dominated every single step of the way. I mean, the Costa Rica game is the only game that they didn't blow the opponent away, and in that instance, Costa Rica just you know played a five-man defense and bunkered in. So. Uh it, it's impressive to see and I, you know this is the thing that gets me right. Uh-huh. No one is saying hey we're you know we're going to kill teams in Brazil now because this team is is doing damage in the Gold cup. Well, they no shouldn't. one is saying that. No one is no, listen, no one is saying that. Everyone's just enjoying it for what it is. But then you still have these people who who, uh, who just feel the need to say oh this means nothing. This is this is does no one no one want to get their hopes up because this is doesn't you know this is just honduras <laughs> this is just you know el salvador and i don't get the hope i don't get the point of that that's just seems just like the dumbest thing to me it's like you know what live in the moment enjoy it for what it is let people enjoy it let people enjoy this usb team destroy a tournament full of uh, other b teams and, and just uh enjoy the fact that this team has this kind of depth and is playing attractive soccer and that that's that's what you should be taking out of this. It's, it doesn't always have to be about the World Cup and a, about beating top teams. That's not always what it has to be about. But you know what? There's just some people,
0: that's the way they see things. Well, you know, all right, so there's always going to be those people that are haters. There's always going to be haters. You know that. Well, it's not even a hate thing. It's just
1: people are just, uh, just outrageously cynical and want to put everything in the ultimate context. And you know what? Brazil isn't in this tournament. Germany, Spain, they're not in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. So get over it, folks. <laughs> play who's in the tournament and they're destroying these teams. And, exactly. and, you, and you, as a US fan, you should have the right to enjoy it and feel good about it and feel, feel confident too. and be happy that your team is actually playing some attractive soccer, mm-hmm. going after teams and 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 tearing teams apart. I mean, this is what this is what fans want to see, right? So uh don't let don't let those folks get to you. You know, it is well, like you said, there's just there's always gonna be people who just <laughs> want to rain
0: on the parade. Well, I can I can understand them if, you know, if the US is winning 1-0 or, or 2-1 and being outplayed at times, but I mean, the US is spanking teams like you said. And, and today, some of that passing outside the 18 was I mean that was just so smooth throughout the game. But let's go into the game real quickly so everyone knows we moved the show up a day so we can so we can immediately provide a reaction to this game. So today's show will serve also as the MLS preview for the weekend. So later in the show, we'll get to that. We'll also get into the SBI Q&A. Questions are already coming in even before the show. So everyone, thank you so much for sending those in. Um, But let's go into the game, Ivis. I think with a lot of things, I mean, it'd be kind of nitpicking to find some things that went wrong, especially in the first half. You had some excellent play from certain players throughout the game. I mean, Clarence Goodson, excellent balls going forward. Um, then you had uh, Alejandro Bedoya was very active. Landon Donovan, I mean Eddie Johnson with that goal. Who are your winners in this game as far as the U.S. players?
1: Well, the man of the match is Landon Donovan. I mean that's pretty clear. He scored bull He scored two goals. He set up the third with a beautiful pass to spring Eddie Johnson. Uh, he's just feeling it right now. He's on fire, and you know what? As if you're a Landon Donovan fan, you should absolutely feel good about the fact that he's enjoying his soccer now. He's playing really well. And most importantly, it's not just about Landon Donovan. It's about the players around him and the way that they are playing with him. Because, you know what, Landon Donovan is not Leno Messi. And I I say I mean that in the sense of he isn't a guy who's doing it on his own. He's not a guy who's going to dance around 10 defenders and put the ball in the net. He's a guy that needs players around him to run off the ball, to make the right pass, to make the smart move, and if he has that around him, he will. Die. He can excel. He can flourish. And that's why you know what? When he was at Everton, when he went over to England, he did great. As much as people were like, "Oh, you know, he's going to struggle this and that," but you know what? When you put him around other good players, he can excel. And what you are having happen now is that you, you know, with Jurgen Klinsmann putting together this B team, and having these guys. Uh, really, really get it when it comes to the passing and the movement and the attacking approach to the game. Uh, it, it's it's the system that is really getting the most out of Landon Donovan because everyone is really doing what they need to do in terms of passing the ball, moving, uh, moving off the ball, creating passing lanes, give giving their teammates options. I mean, it's just great to see where you know in in the past. You've had the you know you've had the U.S. offense be stagnant because there hasn't been that movement, because there has there hasn't cool. been there haven't been those kind of passes and and now you're seeing that and that's why that's why Landon Donovan is flourishing right now is because everyone around him is 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 playing up to his level. And he clearly is is just, you know, kind of just taking it all in and dominating.
0: Well, I think you're also seeing, I mean, very quick passes in succession, I mean, between guys like Stuart Holden, Landon Donovan dropping back, Alejandro Badoy, Eddie Johnson tracking back, Jose Torres throughout the game, Kyle Beckerman. I thought Kyle Beckerman looked outstanding in this game, stopped about I think to my estimate about ten 10- uh, Honduras attacks. I mean, also at interceptions throughout the game as well. I mean, as far as the overall play, though, when when you watch this team, Ivis, you know what doesn't really impress you the most in this Gold Cup when you watch them?
1: Well, first we got to talk about some of the other guys who did well on on Wednesday. Uh, Kyle Beckerman. I got to say, there's just, there's been this ongoing battle in the Gold Cup mm-hmm. in in among U.S. fans about Kyle Beckerman and whether how good is he. Should he be a starter? Should he even be on the team? It just seems—it seems like people don't even want him on the team. He's just this. It's just weird how how much of a negative, I don't know, kind of backlash there is against Kyle Beckerman. But all he's done in this last couple games is is just completely put a hammerlock on the starting role with the U.S. team. I mean, he has been outstanding, and this game that he played today was probably his best game. He's for me. I'd have to think about it, but it could have been the best game he's ever played in the U.S. uniform. I mean, he completely controlled the middle. And one of the things coming into this game was that this Honduras midfield was supposed to put up a really good challenge. They were supposed to really test the U.S. Jurgen Klinsmann felt that way, and that's why he went out. Initially, the idea was to go for 2 3 one and have Stuart Holden uh, next to Kyle Breckerman to help kind of put that wall uh, in front of Honduras, who was going to come out in 4-3-3, they were going to try to attack, but it never came off. Honduras just never had it. Their midfield just couldn't do a thing, and Kyle Beckerman was a big part of that. And Kyle Beckerman was so good at that that it allowed Stuart Holden to start pushing forward and the U.S. to, to start putting more numbers forward. So he was, i, I tell you what, he was outstanding. Uh, but again, that wasn't that much of a surprise because he was outstanding in the quarterfinal. The player who, like, if you want to say surprise today, Alejandro Bedoya, I mean, we're talking about a guy who I don't know who I don't know many people that would have even thought he'd get, he'd start, let alone do really well. And you could argue that he was one of the top two or three players today. I mean, this is a guy who assisted on both of Landon Donovan's goals, mm-hmm. provided hustle all over the field, and you know I, I watched the Spanish broadcast, right? And, and and nothing against the nothing against you know the American announcers, but you know the the Spanish
0: announcers they're, they're pretty sharp guys, right? They know Plus, the it's game. it's funnier. What? It's funnier. It's, they're more comical throughout the game. Like they enjoy themselves when they call the game. Have you noticed that?
1: Right. No, but but yeah, well,
0: there's some of that, but no. But, the, you know,
1: it, it, generally speaking, if you're if you're announcing Spanish – if you're a Spanish TV soccer analyst, yeah, I know your stuff, right? It don't, and, and these guys, they were, they were just seeing uh, Bedouin's paces about how he was all over the field. He was a thorn in their side, like everywhere he went. And uh, and it wasn't even just about the assists; it was just the hustle. It was the assist plus the hustle that he put in. It. And I said that, you know, uh, before the game on the chat on the, on the commentary on, on on SBI was that you know that's you know you could see that being what Cl- uh, Jurgen inclusion wanted out of Bedoya and why he would go with Bedoya instead of a Joe Corona is to is to have that hustle, have him put the pressure on the on the opponent. And that's what he did. He took it to them. And, in, and he, he ends up helping set up two two chance, two great chances Lynn, that landed down and uh, finished off.
0: And in his second game after his call-up that Jurgen made, Eddie Johnson gets a goal. I think it just goes to show the progression that he's had over the last two years. Outruns the Honduran defense. Nice touch. Slots it into the upper part of the net. And, I mean, you have to be very happy about just, I mean, his progression. Like you said, Ivis, when we're playing teams that we should beat, but the fact that he's scoring makes it even sweeter.
1: Well... You know, here's the thing, right? When when you're Jurgen Klinsmann and you decide to go with a with a you know four two three one, and you're gonna have Eddie Johnson up top, uh, you need You, you know, you want to have him up there, you know, to test their defense movement wise. Have guys run off of him. Have have him run off guys. And and right off the bat, 11 minutes in, you get a great combination play, Clarence Goodson long ball. Uh, Eddie Johnson, uh, you know, comes up field, sucks in the center back who, who follows him up the field. Eddie, Eddie, uh, Lennon Donovan with the header, uh, and Eddie and Eddie Johnson stops on a dime and sprints upfield into open space, and then scores the goal. And and, and right there, you could just see what he can give you, and he looked every bit like the forward that he is. And it's and at times, you know, with the national team, you almost forget like. Uh, that he is uh, he is a forward. You know, he can play as a forward. He's played a lot on the wing in, in past games for, for Klinsman, but, I mean, he is absolutely a viable option as a forward. I mean, I know this hasn't been the greatest year for him uh, MLS-wise, but he can still get it done. He can still give you an option. Obviously, Josie Alcidor is your number one uh, forward, but, you know, it, when you want to have someone come off the bench, someone to spell him... Or someone, you know, to give you another option, I mean, I think Eddie Gunson at this point has established himself as a real legitimate option, uh, whether on the bench or in the starting lineup. Um,
0: Not that I want to nitpick in this game because, as we said, there were so many positive things. Clarence Goodson's play throughout the game was pretty good. But there was still another iffy moment in the game when Honduras scored a goal on a set piece that was eerily similar to the one against Belize. This brings me into my question. Ober Gonzalez is called into the team but did not feature in this game, maybe because he wasn't with the team long enough. But what do you make of that of him not being in this game?
1: Well, I think it's more of a case of Clarence Goodson playing well. Clarence Goodson's had a good Gold Cup. He's been really solid. His numbers have gotten better with each game. You know, his passing stats in the Costa Rica win and in the El Salvador win were outstanding. I mean, he is playing... With a lot of confidence, and you know, think about it. If you're, if you know, if you're Jurgen Klinsman, Omar Gonzalez, you gave Omar Gonzalez a lot of games in May and June, and you know, he had his ups and downs, he made his mistakes. You kind of see him as your number one, but now you've got a guy in Clarence Goodson who has put together a really good run of games. He is absolutely someone who's in that in that mix. You know, he's in that group of center backs when you talk about Beesler, Gonzalez, Cameron. Uh, and Goodson, I mean Goodson. It's it's easy to forget that goods it was Goodson and Gonzalez that started in the snow against Costa Rica, and it was good. It was going to be Goodson starting against Mexico before he suffered an injury, and he actually took himself out of the game and said, "Listen, I, I you know I'm not I shouldn't risk it." Give give Matt Beasler the nod, and Matt Beasler goes on and 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 says never look back. So it's kind of almost easy to forget that you know at that at that point. Clinsman already had that kind of trust in Goodson. So you can understand why he he would trust him now. And he's playing well. And you'll tell you what, he came out there today Mm -hmm. and played with a a real clear, visible confidence. Just the way he he moved upfield, passed the ball. Um, you know, he he just he just looked really good. He had one he had one really bad play where, you know, he got he got a little too comfortable with the ball. And he was he was a little too casual. And and they, Honduras pounced, and they pounced, and luckily for him, Nick Ramondo reacted, jumped out, and broke it up before anything got ugly. But uh, and that was, so that was the one kind of shaky point for him. But that play aside, I thought Clarence Goodson was really, really good. So you understand why why Jurgen uh, Klinsmann went with him now. But see, he, now here's the question now: what now? What do you do on Sunday in the final? Do you stick with Goodson again, or do you go with Omar Gonzalez? Do you really bring in Omar Gonzalez and not even play him? That's going to be you an can, interesting question.
0: You can only imagine how uh, how upset LA Galaxy fans would be if that was the case. Well,
1: you know, they might be upset, but at the same time, if you're Bruce Arena, I don't know if you necessarily mind if your player uh, doesn't get miles put on him, right? I mean, I'm sure he'd love it if he wasn't called in at all, but I don't know if uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if will, I don't know if uh, Bruce Arena would necessarily be upset if he sits. And here's the thing, like Matt a perfect example. So, okay, Clarence Goodson today, he had a couple of beautiful passes. He had the, he had the pass that, long, that, when we're talking about hockey assists or slash MLS secondary assists, Clarence Goodson had two of them today. He had the great pass to Lennon Donovan mm-hmm. that Donovan headed into the path of Eddie Johnson for his goal. And then he had the great pass to Bedoya uh, to set up Donovan's second goal. So right there, you're talking about a center back who delivers two passes that lead directly to goals. Uh I mean that's a great day. But for me, Matt Beesler, when you want to talk about defensive duties, Matt Beesler was outstanding. And and the thing about Beasler is he goes about his business
0: so quietly. Oh, I didn't realize Where, he was in the game until like the 40th minute. I was like, oh my God, Matt Beasler's thing. out. You know, there. He just
1: cleans things up. You know, he he's very you know, he he doesn't he he's very efficient. I mean, he steps in. He he meets challenges. He when he gets the ball, he get, he gives it up right away. He's not kind of sitting on the ball, so it's almost like it's easy to not notice that he's what he's getting done. But yet when you look at his stats, when you look at his passing stats, and he's got one of the highest totals of completed passes on the, on the team, sixty one completed passes, which which you know, I'm I'm trying to find here anyone who had more, and I think I don't I don't think anyone did. I think I think he led the team in completed passes today, which you know when you talk about guys like Beckerman. Stuart Holden, uh, that's pretty impressive. So Matt Beasler, he you know, nothing's changed. He's the best center back in the national team pool, and he will be there. He will be in the starting lineup on Sunday.
0: And with all the positives that are coming out of this game, not that we want to be negative, but are there any concerns going into the final game against Panama now?
1: Well, you know, there are going to be a lot of tough uh, decisions to make as far as the lineup goes. As far as guys who didn't necessarily have great games, I mean, that Michael Parkhurst had some issues you know, he had, he had a pretty high number of turnovers, and, uh, you know, he really wasn't that effective getting forward. Uh, you know, does that mean he's not going to start on Sunday? I think he still starts. You know, I think he defensively still gets the job done so you can understand why, you know, they stick with him uh, and why I think he'll start again. Uh, Stuart Holden didn't have his best game either. You know, he's someone who uh, was really aggressive early on and got a few chances, you um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of his absolutely best games. I mean, I think he moved around a lot. He got, he was really involved. He had, a, you know, his a good high number of passes, took his share of long range shots. But, you know, it, it was one of his one of his like signature games. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Klinsman does. Does he go with him or does he go with group? I still think you start him. I still think, you know. He didn't have a bad game, but again, he sets the bar so high because his his best is so much better than almost anyone else's uh, in the midfield there. So that it, when when he doesn't get to that peak, you kind of like you kind of upon well, what's wrong with him? And then when really it's not anything wrong wrong with him at all. He's still playing at a pretty good level, uh, but it's just not his his highest level. So you know what? He was someone. I, I, you know, I want to see how he does in that final. Uh, and Jose Torres, you know, Jose Torres got the start. He did. I don't think he necessarily had a good game. Uh, he completed. He only completed twenty nine passes. He wasn't overly active in the match. He uh, he actually had fourteen uh, possessions lost, which is when you when you lose the ball fourteen times and you only complete twenty nine passes. That that's not that's really not a great ratio. So he's someone that you gotta you gotta ask yourself: Is he the guy? Is he someone's gonna who you're gonna turn to? And, and give the start to on uh, on Sunday. So th- those are some areas to, to look at, I think, if you're in the midfield, especially when you think of all the options that you have there. You've got guys like Mick Stiskerud who who you know, mm-hmm. didn't start today. Uh, and Edgar Castillo's kind of just disappeared. now. He, I don't see him starting now that he hasn't played the last few games. But watch
0: Juergen throw us a curveball and just throw him out there. Well,
1: he's been That's doing it, right? Juergen's been throwing us these wild, wild – wild, like I mean, Bedoya. Who had Bedoya? Nobody had Bedoya in their starting lineup. And that one came out of nowhere. So, you know what? How about this? Uh, and someone, you know, one of the readers in the, in, the, in the commentary brought it up as an idea is, why don't you put Bedoya on the left, put Corona on the right? And I like that idea because I'll tell you what, Corona was, uh, uh, Bedoya was was uh, working both sides of the field today. You know, he can handle either side. He's really active. Uh, maybe you go with that that group. And now you got to think about your opponent. You know, you're playing Panama. Not to give it away, we're about to talk about that game next. But Panama has beaten Mexico – you're going to play Panama. They're a very tough team. Um, so, you know, how does that affect which guy you go with? And, uh, you know, I, I think when you talk about a speedy and athletic team like Panama is, I can see him wanting to have Medoya's work rate on the field. And and and, and, one, and you want to have Corona back on the field. I, think, I, I feel like Corona, you know, the reason I feel like he didn't play in the semis is because he had logged so many minutes in the tournament to this mm-hmm. point. You want you, you wanted to give him a break, and now you have him for the final. And I think I think he could have a really big game in the final.
0: Well, as you said, Panama defeated Mexico in the game after USA defeating Honduras. Uh, FC Dallas man Blas Perez opened up the scoring. Mexico answered back. Luis Montes and then Ron Torres had a header in the sixty first, sixty first minute. Excuse me, sending Panama uh, forward. Both teams had a lot of chances in this game, Ivis. However, though Mexico just really couldn't put any shots on frame. Um, Like you said before, hey, one, first off, you and I both predicted this victory. So congratulations to you and me. You and I, look at us, predicting this victory. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And uh, I'm patting myself on the back right now. But tonight, though, Ivis, how did Panama defeat Mexico?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. It came down to this. Panama played more like a team. And part of that comes down to the fact that they're, they're just a more experienced group. You got a group of guys that have, you know, this is their group for World Cup qualifying. I mean, the one guy they're missing... Uh, Felipe peloy someone who you know, like I, I actually thought he was on the team, um, but he is not on the team. He's he's their true captain, their 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 stud center back. He's the one big guy they're missing on this team. I mean, well, they're also missing Luis Tejada, who's not there. Uh, I don't know if he's injured or he's just he's just in in with his Mexican team. But right there, you're missing two guys, but they they have so many other pieces that are there. When you talk about guys who have been on their goal cup teams the last three or four or five goal cups, goalkeeper Jaime Pinedo. This is his fifth Gold Cup. Uh, you're talking about Gabriel Gomez, Roman Torres, Blas Perez. That nucleus, those guys, they've all played in four. They, they've all played. This is their first, their fourth Gold Cup for all those guys. So I mean, they they have an understanding, you know, they have fami- a familiarity, and it, it allows them to play better as a team. This Mexico team really just seems like a a, a thrown together group, you know. I mean, obviously Marco F- Fabian is a great player, right? And he he was he was he was worth the price of admission. He was one of the, the one guy really, you know, posing a threat on a regular basis. And and Montez was solid for them as well. Raúl Jiménez really didn't sh- didn't get to, to get too involved today, but it, it, you just never got the sense that they were a complete team or they were a team that had a good understanding of each other, a good rhythm, a, a, a good. Uh, you know, just a good vibe as a unit, as a, as a working unit. I think they relied on individual play far too often, and, and it was because of that. It was because they couldn't combine as a team just because they just don't have that, whereas Panama, well, Panama might not have, you know, an uh, individual player like Marco Fabian. They, they, as a team, were so good. And Blas Perez, man, I'll tell you what, Blas Perez, the guy, is a, he's a sniper. He's a, He just, you know, you give him space, he will he will finish it off. He's he's got ice in his veins and, and you know you always have a chance when you have a striker like him. We're talking about a guy who's been scoring goals in the Gold Cup since two thousand and seven. So you know he, he he just once again he he he's just just too much for, for for Mexico to deal with. He actually missed the Mexico game in the beginning of this tournament, but he has scored against them before. Uh, so it, it's nothing new for him. And I tell you what, I I, I don't know what's going to happen now with Mexico and Chepo de la Torre because. Uh, It's just been a really disappointing year for them between the World Cup qualifying, um, the Confederations Cup, and now this Gold Cup. So, you know, it it seems like the writing's on the wall with him. uh, And he just he might just not be on the sideline when the U.S. plays Mexico in September.
0: Is there a chance that going into that Gold Cup final, both Mexico and the U.S. could be without their head coaches? I know Mexico's not playing, but just, you know, figuratively speaking.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't talk about the whole Jurgen thing. Uh, For those who missed it, Jurgen Klinsmann was was ejected from the game, (laughs) uh, which was ridiculous because the referee had an awful game. He missed calls left and right.
0: He kept yelling at Jose
1: Torres throughout the game. I don't know. Stuart Holden got elbowed in the face, MMA style, in the penalty area, no call. There were fouls left and right, no calls. No yellow cards whatsoever until much later in the match. And then there, and so then you have one sequence so on the sideline where it was a clear cut foul the referee just completely misses it and Jurgen Klinsmann you know he had something to say about it and immediately the the, the referee uh, kicks him kicks him out and, and the thing is you know at the time you're thinking how are you kicking out a coach who's about to go coach in a final uh, for what didn't even seem like all that bad of behavior um, but a bit, apparently he isn't necessarily going to miss the final uh, the word out of Dallas is that. Uh, there will be a disciplinary committee that will meet to determine whether or not he will be suspended for the final. And I would say the chances are pretty good that, you know, they'll look at that and they won't suspend him. I, I mean, I just my opinion, because it's not like the guy was just out of, you know, it wasn't like he was that outrageous or that flamboyantly misbehaved. You know, I think he, he you know, he he protested the fact that there was no call made, but I don't think he did anything too crazy. So. You know, hopefully, Concaf, uh, you know, uses common sense and just and has this coach on the sideline for the final, right? I mean, we, I think most people can agree that that referee was terrible. He was terrible on Wednesday night. So it would be a real shame if Concaf, uh upheld that decision when it was just one of many awful decisions by that referee.
0: The U.S. is going to be playing Panama on Sunday in Chicago. It's a rematch of the 2005 Gold Cup Final where the U.S.A. defeated Panama on penalties 3-1. to Ives and I will have another show later this week to preview the game. And you can also go to the website to to look for more information, more news, and anything else you need to prepare yourself for this game that's going to be played on Sunday night. Uh, last night after we did this show, Ives uh, in a game that no one really saw but there's highlights up, Sunderland defeated Tottenham three to one. Jose Atador had an assist in the game. Clint Dempsey started. For everyone saying that he's not there, Brad Fiedel featured in this game. And for you know Jose Atador, I mean, I know it's preseason. Say what it is, but hey, good to see him providing an assist, getting some playing time.
1: Right. It was it was definitely a good performance from him. I know there, there seemed to be some debate about whether or not it was a good performance, but when you talk about having it be kind of his first public official. Yeah. Match. I mean, obviously, it was, it's a it's a friendly tournament. It, it's over, it's in Hong Kong, but still, you're playing against Tottenham. You're playing some Premier League competition, and for him to get, he he not only got an assist, he also had uh, a really good scoring chance saved by a, by a really good uh, Brad Friedel uh, save. By the and, ageless uh, ageless Brad Friedel. The ageless Brad Friedel. I mean, he might be an alien, uh, but you know, <laughs> look for a first game. Uh, yeah it's solid solid. I mean it just shows like from a physical standpoint and a maturity standpoint, how much better he is, he can play on that level and and I think we're gonna see this as the preseason goes on. Uh, and it's also good news to see you know clan Dempsey uh, feature in that match. Uh, again, it's just a tournament and there's still guys on that team who are gonna get sold, gonna get shipped off things are things are gonna change on that team. but uh, all, everything that I've been told and everything that I'm hearing, is that he absolutely is going to be a part of that team, and I think it's a good sign that he, you know, that he featured
0: in the match. before the U.S. Men's and National Team game. The biggest news today uh, came out of the nation's capital, uh, DC United, and Mayor Gray. Uh, they said they reached a preliminary deal for a soccer stadium at the point that everyone's talk at the, at the point at the place everyone's talking about, Buzzard Point. However, there's a big but that comes with it. There is a lot of work that needs to be done that involves land swaps and multiple deals. You know, you've covered the league, you know, pretty much since the beginning, Ivis. Do you see any possibility of this happening, or is this really something that fans can latch onto and say, maybe this is finally going to work for us?
1: Listen, when you're talking about politics in Washington, D.C., you can't take anything for granted. Uh, while it is good news that th- there's, been clearly, there's clearly been some progress, and you know they've already they've they've actually gone a good a good distance you know they they've they've made a lot of ground up uh to get to this point so that's positive that's something to feel good about and that's something to be confident about but at the same time you still can't take anything for granted because we've been here before there've been proposals stadium proposals before in years past and things have fallen through mm. So until the city council votes on it and approves it, and you know all the deals that need to be made are made, uh, you can't get your hopes up. And, I, and I, honestly, I don't think DC fans, real hardcore DC fans who've been around, are gonna get, are gonna you know jump the gun on this because they've been, you know, when when you've been through it enough times, you kind of you kind of lose the whole instant you know reaction, you know, because you have kind of been there, been there, done that. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. I'll believe it when I see it. And I think that's, that's really, you got to kind of go with that wait and see approach. Because again, you're talking about DC politics and, and, and making sure everyone's happy, making sure no one wants to kill the deal. I mean, you know, when you look at the stadium renderings and you see how beautiful the place could be. It looks sick. Uh, it, it'd be near the, the, the Washington Nationals park, uh, just over the river. Listen, DC United needs a stadium. And you know what? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a Philly Union fan or you're a Red Bulls fan and you hate D.C. United. You want to see them just crumble and, and fall apart and and relocate, whatever it is. Look, D.C. United, Washington, D.C., if you're MLS, you want to have a healthy team in Washington. You want to have a strong, a healthy and strong D.C. United team because that is an absolutely great soccer market. And it's a little easy to forget now because it seems so bad. It's it's a nightmare season that they've gone through, but it is a really. I mean, all you have to think back to is that USA Germany friendly and how amazing the crowd was there. It, you have a really strong and passionate soccer fan base there, and if you if you put a stadium there, I have no I have no doubt that they will do great there. That they will draw fans, and you know, in turn, you'd like to think that they'll be able to generate revenue hopefully build a, a stronger team, and, and that just makes the league that much stronger. So, you know, at, I know from a rivalry standpoint, some people don't want to see them succeed, but I think Which from that's, a league... That's stupid. That's stupid. No, no, but you know what it is? It's how it is. Fans are, you know, fans are going to hate who they hate, and it is what it is. But from a league standpoint, it can only help the league for D.C. to get a stadium.
0: Well, looking at the map, there's a map that the Washington, like a graphic I guess you could say. It actually is a graphic. I'm stupid. Uh, the Washington Post put out it has a stadium footprint that shows where it would go in Buzzard Point. And just by looking at this, like you said, Ivis, there's three different people that the city has to work with to acquire that land. So there's still you know, a lot of kind of hold your breath moments. And they said it wouldn't be around to uh, 2016, which I mean that's still far as ways away. But you know, I hope this happens for D.C. United fans because, you know, playing at RFK is not going to be, the you know, the most ideal situation going forward. They're going to have to figure something out. Yeah,
1: it's a dump. RFK Stadium is a dump. And I say that as someone who who has a lot of love for RFK Stadium because, you know, for those who don't know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Redskins fan, Washington Redskins fan. Oh, since i was seven years old. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, I've enjoyed my share of Super Bowl titles. Okay, buddy. As a fan. Oh, what's so, that supposed uh, to
0: mean? you Taking a dig at me because I'm a Cardinals fan? Uh,
1: no, I'm just making the point that you know I, it's not like I'm a you know Chicago Cubs fan who's never experienced the title before. But anyway, I digress. Um, you know what? So I love you know I have that that stadium as a special place in my heart. But it's a dump. It's an absolute dump. It's falling apart. Concrete's falling. Rats are all over the place. It's 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 just you really need to put a take a wrecking ball at the place. But but for now, it's the home of DC United. And you know it's convenient to get to in a way, and you know it's near it's near the metro stop and all that. But they need to get a new stadium. They need the revenue streams to be a viable business, and, because you know it doesn't matter who you have as an owner. Like you can't just well, unless you have you know uh, you know uh, like PSG money and Man City money with all barons or all sheiks and, and all that that have billions of dollars to just spend. Uh, but in MLS, with the ownership in MLS, you want to have some revenue streams. You want to have a stadium that can help you generate the the money to to build a team and to build a program, to build a club, proper club. Um, and right now, they don't have that, so you know they need this. They need this stadium to go through because uh, I mean, by all by all accounts, my the impressions I get are that if they can't get a stadium there, eventually they're going to have to think about moving that team. Because it just doesn't, it just isn't a viable financial situation if you don't have a stadium.
0: Uh, new York Red Bulls signed a new player. Ivis, you put out the most hilarious tweet ever today, if not being sarcastic, right here. That the New York Red Bulls have gone out and signed the lesser talented brother of someone else, due to Kaká and Wayne Rooney's brother playing for New York Red Bulls. However, though all jokes aside, you are kind of you know maybe looking at this optimistically. And, you know, you're saying that Bradley Wright Phillips could actually be a very good player for the Red Bulls this season.
1: Well, I don't think I use the words very good player. Oy. I think my point I think my point more is that he actually might actually play at all, as opposed to Kaka's brother, Degao, who made, you know, a six-figure salary to stand around and kind of look like Kaka. Or John Rooney, who, you know, bless his heart, uh, you know, great kid, a sweetheart of a kid, shy boy shy lad uh he just was not a good soccer player i mean he was a, a, a you know a, he, he could have been a decent usl pro starter right um but he was not he was nowhere near wayne rooney right and and so the red bulls have done this before yeah uh, and it's you've kind of wondered what the heck are they thinking bradley wright phillips is actually a, a, of his own account is a pretty decent player he's someone who has scored goals in England, uh, you know, not you know, not necessarily the Premier League, but you know, he has played in, in in some of the lower divisions and done well. I got a chance to see him in a reserve game recently, and you know, the the speed is there. He can give them a different option up top, and they need it. You know, their offense is a little predictable. Some of these other guys have not been consistent. Fabiana Spindle has been a little inconsistent. Peggy Louie Andula, I just for me, some people, you know, I, I feel like some, other, I feel like a lot of people are. Like him more than I do. I just haven't seen it from him. I just don't think he's all that good. Uh, I think Bradley Wright Phillips actually could be better than him. So uh, that's a it's a positive step. It's a positive signing for the Red Bulls. But you know, I don't know if anyone should get too crazy about it.
0: Early in his career, Bradley Wright Phillips did play uh, for Manchester City. That was in the Premier League. The last team he played with uh, was Brentford. That was in the NPower Football League One Division. Bradley Wright Phillips will have an opportunity to play this weekend as the New York Red Bulls will be taking on Real Salt Lake, the only meeting between these two clubs right here. Game's going to be at Red Bull Arena. Real Salt Lake's going to be out without Chris Wingert after the loss. He had he suspended a game. I mean, everyone, A lot of controversy that came out of the RSL Sporting Kansas City game. What do you see in this game? Do you see Real Salt Lake able to go to New York and take a victory here?
1: That's a tough one, i got to say. The Red Bulls are solid at home. Uh, they're they, they're you know they're a much better team at home than they are at the road on the road. Having uh, what's interesting about this matchup is for years now, for the last few years, Real Salt Lake has dominated this rivalry. They've just owned the Red Bulls, and I feel like part of the reason that you ended up having uh, a couple of Real Salt Lake players making their way to New York is because of that. Because uh, Terry Henry loves Real Salt Lake. He he loves the way they play as much as the you know Salt RSL has has owned New York they've actually gained a fan in, uh, in Henri because he respects their game. He respects the way they try to play, mm-hmm. their possession style of soccer. Um, and now you have Jameson Olave and Fabiana Spindola on the Red Bulls. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, it, it, this one's a tough one, really a tough one. I mean, for me, I'm going to have to say draw. I'm not, as much as the Red Bulls did not look good in Toronto, they looked pretty terrible. They looked terrible against Toronto uh, in that tie. Uh, But, again, they're a different team at home. And, uh, you know, Real Salt Lake coming off that tough loss to to Sporting Kansas City, they've been playing really well lately. But I just think, I don't know, I just I kind of give New York the edge. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it's going to be a draw.
0: Uh, The Colorado Rapids are taking on the L.A. Galaxy. L.A. Galaxy, as we said, without Omar Gonzalez since he got called up to the U.S. Men's National Team, without Landon Donovan as well. It doesn't matter, though. The young guys have been stepping up for them. Jose Villarreal and Jazzy Sardis had a goal last week. Uh, Do you see the Galaxy uh, picking up another victory against the uh, Rapids?
1: Well, look, you know, the fact that they were able to beat Vancouver last week without Donovan... And without Robbie Keane, I mean that one was really that for me. That was kind of a statement game for them uh, to show that you know they have the depth and some of these young guys can step step up if they need them to step up. Uh, but having, you know having said that, Colorado, you know the Colorado's coming off a good week. Uh, they got four points from two matches. They beat New England. They tied Seattle. Uh, they're a team that's kind of gaining confidence, you know, and and they're tough. They're tough enough to crack at home. Uh, that altitude does play a part. I think if LA has to go in there without Robbie Keane, uh, I just don't know if they. I just don't think they'll have enough to win there. If Robbie Keane plays, then then it's different. Then you have to think that they have an opportunity. If they don't have Robbie Keane, I'm going to have to go with Colorado just because I think they're gaining confidence, gaining momentum, and uh, you're really starting to see them come together as a team.
0: Do you see this Colorado team maybe being a playoff team?
1: (sighs) You know, I. I mean, I've said it before. Next year's their year. I've been saying it since I said it before this season in the preview. And when we did the season preview, I said 2014 is going to be the year they really come together. Um, I think they, they're they making a push. I just, for me, I just think when the Western Conference, when I look at those teams and I see, you know, who I see kind of ending up there at the end, I just don't see Colorado making it. I just I just think there are other teams that are better. Than they are right now. Uh, Well, you know they're not better than them in the record books now, but they will be. You know, I think Seattle's going to come around. I think, and I think that's going to, you know, obviously hurt the Rapids' chances.
0: Uh, That game will be up in the Mile High City on Saturday night between the Rapids and the LA Galaxy. Okay, next game. This is an interesting one because you talk about two teams going in complete opposite directions. Not that Montreal's having a Bad as a drop is maybe, let's say, FC Dallas. But the impact over the last couple games have not impressed. And now they're taking on a sporting Kansas City side that is on a three-game winning streak, six-game unbeaten streak uh, in total. I mean, do you see the impact losing another game here? Well, you know
1: what? This is what's funny about MLS, right? It almost, it's, it's almost inevitable when you have these kind of matchups where the t one team has just been awful on a run of just surprisingly awful results, and one team's red hot. You think it's a no-brainer. The team that's red hot is going to steamroll the team that's been awful. Um, but Montreal's at home, right? They're due for a win. They're due to turn things around. Their defense seemed to do better this last weekend. Alessandro Nesta actually played pretty well. So maybe they're starting to kind of get through this awful run that they've been in, right? When you're you know Sporting Kansas City, big, big, big win against Jal Lake, But... You have to wonder about the continued, you know, the grind of the road. Second straight road road game now for them. They got to go to Montreal. I, I tell you what, if Marco DiVallo plays, and I feel like I'm doing this with every game because you have all these players who are kind of question marks, but they're big players, so they they they, they really do make. Well, a that's
0: great how game. the MLS is. We see that with so many teams. One or two guys are they're out. But,
1: but certainly, yeah, but certain teams. I mean, Robbie Keane means so much to LA. Marco DeVaio means so much to Montreal. I mean, these are guys who, when you talk about importance, importance to their teams, these are two of the top ten most important guys in the league to their teams. So Marco DeVaio makes all the difference. If he's there, I think they win at home. I think they kind of pull the surprise. If DeVaio's not there, it's gonna, I feel like I, th- I think Sporting Kansas City can get another road win.
0: And then Montreal, do you see them going on an FC Dallas slide where all of a sudden they're going to be in fifth place and thinking, oh, my gosh, we not make the playoffs? Could that happen to this team?
1: Well, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, they just signed a designated player that they will hope will kind of solidify things in the middle in the midfield for them. Uh, And also, the Eastern Conference is. Let's face it, the Eastern Conference is not as tough as the Western Conference. It's a little different. If you're out west, uh, where the teams that are kind of on the fringes are good enough to pass you, I think in the East, it's it's not quite that. I mean, look, the Chicago Fire, you have to take seriously. You have to think, okay, they're going to keep rolling. They just signed a, de- a designated player striker, uh, you know, the young Ecuadorian. So, you know, and they've, you know, obviously with McGee and Baki Sumari coming along, they they've been that much better. You have to think they're going to compete for a playoff spot at the end. Uh, but I don't know. I I think I think Montreal will hold on. I think that I think they'll hold on to a playoff spot. But this game is pretty important for them because they're at home. They can't drop. They don't want to keep dropping points at home. And if they don't get at least a point out of this game then you really have to start wondering what's going on there and if, if if maybe they are going to fall out of the playoff picture.
0: Well, team, you said the Chicago Fire, they're going to be taking on the Houston Dynamo in Houston on Saturday. Uh, their new revamped attack we talked about on the last show, the signing of the Ecuadorian 4 Luis. You have Mike McGee playing well. Chris Rolfe playing excellent. I mean, a lot of good things going for the Chicago Fire. However, though, Ives, they're taking on Houston Dynamo. Who beat Stoke City on Wednesday night? So clearly, if the Dynamo can beat an EPL team, they, they can beat the <laughs> Chicago Fire, right? Am I right on that?
1: Oh, boy. Listen, folks, never, 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 never take into consideration Premier League preseason results because <laughs> they mean nothing. Uh, those, you know, those players are nowhere near being in shape, and, and and you know, fit their fitness is, you know, in the in the basement right now. So we can't, we can't, we can't look ever, ever take those games into into account, and that includes games like the All Star
0: game. Okay, talk about the game though. Can the Chicago Fire really keep improving? I mean, granted. They won last week after losing two games in a row. The Houston Dynamo, as of late, are playing better, too. I mean, this is a really big game going forward. What do you see happening in this?
1: It's a great matchup, you know. When you, when you think about Houston and their defense, their defense at home, you know, they're, they're pretty stingy. I mean, I know they had this run of results where they couldn't score a goal. <clears throat> they were dropping points at home, which is uncharacteristic of the Dynamo. But it seems like they've kind of righted the ship there. Uh, but... Now they face a Chicago team that's, you know, feeling pretty confident right now. They're feeling pretty good uh, about about where their team is, how much better they've gotten now in the past month or so. So this is a tough one to call, you know, and it's an important one for both these teams because, you know, the Houston Dynamo, has asp- they have aspirations to be one of the top two teams in the conference. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they still feel like they could end up as the top seed, uh, you know, for once. You know, they always end up, they always seem to be a lower seed and have to climb through, uh, you know, as a lower seed. But, you know, the way the race is right now, if they put together a strong run, they could be right there to be the number one seed. Uh, Chicago is still fighting their way into that range to, to be a playoff team. They still have to close the gap. Um, this one's a tough one to call, you know. you know Chicago's playing really well. They are. And, I, you know, the thing with MLS, you never want to go picking too many road teams. And uh, But I think in this case, I'm going to make an exception. I think the Chicago
0: Fire pull an Upset. Uh, up in Vancouver, the Union will be traveling up there to take on the Whitecaps. Uh, Philadelphia Union will have Jack McInerney again for their second game, so maybe you have to hope that there's cohesion here. However, though, Vancouver Whitecaps going to be missing <laughs> Kenny Miller. Is that going to be their downfall in this game? Granted, the Vancouver Whitecaps have other players who have stepped up. Camille is playing uh, really well. Tybert playing really well. But do you see the Philadelphia Union, another road team, going and getting a victory here?
1: You know, I tell you what, man, that's a tough call. That's a tough one for Philly. A, they're a young team, right? B, they're on the road. C, they're across the continent. Uh, You know, and and I think we talked about it last show. Uh, You know, the track record of teams having to travel across country is not a good one. Uh, It's just just the grind of that tends to wear, wear on a team. So even though Kenny Miller won't be there, I think Vancouver will still have enough firepower. I think... Camillo, Darren Maddox, I think I think they'll have enough to take care of business and knock off
0: the union. Ivis, we've reached – I always say this. It's I need to come up with something like more cheesier, not as stupid. We've reached the end of the show. It means it's the Q&A. Everyone sends their questions in. People, thank you so much. You've been doing a really good job sending them in before the show. People, uh, when Ivis sends the tweet out, uh, you're, you're, we really appreciate all the questions. Sorry we can't get to all your questions. But key to a- keep asking. Your chances will increase to ha- have one of your questions uh Answered by Ivis. First question is for Shintan Amin. Given the conditions of these temporary grass fields to the USSF, reconsider its aversion to fake turf.
1: Okay. um, As far as this Gold Cup goes, and as far as this disaster of a a showing tonight with this ugly field uh, in Dallas, that's not U.S. soccer's fault. That's CONCACAF's fault. CONCACAF's the one who picks the venues. They're the ones who, who, who make the arrangements with the field, and, and it's pretty much that tonight's disaster was on them. Uh, the, I still say the Seattle game was not as bad as people made it out to be, so I don't think it's an issue, to be honest.
0: Uh, next question comes from Danny Carrillo. Uh, were, su- were you surprised by the exclusion of Corona, LD, and Beck subbed out when they looked like two of our best? It's because they were resting them for Sunday. What's your take, though, Ivis?
1: Well, the Corona uh, benching... I was a little surprised by but I don't know if you, if it's kind of a classic benching. I don't think he was benched because for performance, I think it could have been an issue of minutes. You know, he's someone who's played uh, through the through the tournament. He's played, I think he might have led the team tour- in, in points at, the, at heading into this game. So, you know, if you had a chance to get some fresh legs in there, and, and Bedoya, uh, you could understand why Klinsman would want to do that, and that's exactly what, what Bedoya gave you. He gave you really good energy. On the wing, um, and now you have Joe Corona rested for the final. And I, I, personally think Joe Corona will start in the final. As far as Donovan Beckerman, uh, you understand why Klinsman would want to yeah. pull them out of this game. It's three one. You have a two goal lead. You, they they've just played two games in four days. So, you know, if you're going to go eight games in oh, eight games, sorry, three games in eight days, you you, you got to try to get some minutes off of them. Having said that, there was a point there when Beckerman came out of the match and the midfield started to get get you know a little wobbly. It was clear they missed him, right? And then he pulls Donovan. Then you're kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, maybe you're doing this a little too soon uh, with only a two goal lead. And uh, but it held up, and uh, and now you've got Ke- uh, Beckerman rested with a little bit re- more rest. You have Donovan with a little bit more rest, and you have Joe Corona fully rested. So I think those can definitely come in handy. Uh, going up against Panama and for me I think I think Corona starts and I, I think all three of those guys
0: start. Next question comes from Daniel Gonzalez, regardless of coach does Mexico come back to the hex hungry, aggr- angry and dangerous?
1: I'm not ready to write them off yet. You know when you, it's tough, right? Cuz their team, their full team now. Their full team just looks so disjointed. Uh and no, nowhere near the team that that looked so dangerous a year ago, two years ago and had that great fluidity to it, uh, to their attack, uh, and even though they still have some pretty dangerous players. When you talk about Chicharito and, and um, Guardado and Gio Dos Santos and Aquino, um, De all these guys, I mean, they have weapons, right? You don't understand why they can't uh, score goals on a consistent basis and, and get back to their winning ways. I, I, st- I see them turning it around. I do. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with their coaching situation because, look, they could have a new coach by tomorrow. So that one's still a little up in the air. But, you know, I just think they have too much talent on that team to not uh, go into Azteca and beat Honduras and do what they have to do. I mean, that's nothing against Honduras. Honduras is a good team. I just think backs against the wall, I think Mexico's going to get the job done.
0: Uh, Ivis has forced me to read this next one that just came in. It's from my punk younger brother, Ivis, on a scale of 1 to 10. How ugly is Garrett? (laughs) Well, you know i <laughs> I love how you're taking I
1: love how you're taking this question seriously. I've never actually met Garrett. I've only seen pictures, and it may or may not be his actual pictures. He may be totally catfishing me with fake pictures, but
0: <laughs> whoa, whoa whoa dude, that sounds creepy like I'm sending you pictures,
1: yeah, right no, I'm just saying of the pictures that I've seen, it's either Garrett or somehow he got a hold of Alexi Lalas' high school pictures. It's one of oh the my other. God. Uh, So, you know what? I don't think he's a bad-looking guy. I mean, apparently he does well with the ladies from what he tells me.
0: You know, All right, all right. Details, details. All right, all right. Let's move on. (laughs) Next question comes from Matt Holzberg. Fair to switch Gonzalez for Goodson in the final after Goodson starts every game.
1: Yeah, man. That's going to be an interesting decision because you bring Omar Gonzalez in, you bring him in, you pull him off of his team. He's going to miss a game this weekend. Um, do you really bring him in and not play him? And he's supposed to be your starting, your first choice center back on the full team. But then you have Clarence Goodson, who's been really good in this Gold Cup. He's been really solid. He's done an outstanding job of reestablishing himself as one of the top center backs in the pool. Um, so that that that's one where, you know, you might have to flip a coin if you're Clinton. Um, but having said that, and I said it earlier, right? Omar Gonzalez had his run of games in June. He had his ups and downs. He had his shaky moments. But he got games. He got those games. Now you've got Clarence Goodson, who's in this tournament. He's been there throughout the tournament, been excellent, and seems to be getting better. Do you bench him now? I don't know if you do. I don't know if you bench him now. I think the Beesler-Goodson combination looks pretty good. Uh, And it's interesting because, you know, I guarantee you a lot of people who watch the game today didn't notice Beasler at all, even though the guy did so much work. I think part of it is the way him and be- him and Beasler and Goodson work together, work off each other. You know, Beister's supposed to be the passer. is supposed to be the guy who the distributor, the guy who yeah. you know is just nonstop passing the ball around. And he was, you know, he 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 actually still put up a ton of numbers passing the ball. Off. But Clarence Goodson also passed the ball around well. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't a case where only one of them could pass. They both could pass the ball around pretty well. And I think that that's that creates some really good options for the U.S. team when you don't have to have one guy be your passer, your quote-unquote passer in the back. Because, you know what, Omar Gonzalez is still a, very much a work in progress from a passing standpoint, even though in his younger years he was a midfielder. You know, he likes to think he's more technical than, than people give him credit for being. But... At the end of the day, he's still behind Beastler and Goodson as a passer. So I could, I could definitely see, you know, Clinsman wanting to go with Beastler and Goodson. They're both passing the ball well. They can both distribute good. We saw Goodson today with two quality passes from deep that turned into goals. So I can see that. I can see him wanting that for what they give you. And also because it's Goodson, Goodson deserves this chance because let's face it, Omar Gonzalez has gotten his share of games already.
0: Next question comes from Tyler Gray. Who makes the most, most sense to replace Chepo if, in fact, he does get fired?
1: You also have Marcelo Bielsa, a loco, who's, uh, you know, he was uh, let go by uh, Athletic Bilbao. And he's someone, one of the more respected managers around. And he is a Latin American manager. So he, you know, he's someone to think about. If if they don't go hitting, maybe Bielsa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hugo Sanchez is someone who seems to be once again lobbying for the job. Uh, I don't know how seriously we should take that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, The way it looks right now, though, I don't think we're going to see Chepo and Columbus come September.
0: Next question comes from Ben. He's uh, no last name, so it's Ben underscore Yates for Why would Klinsman bring in Gonzalez to to bench him? And he also has hashtag Jack Mack round two. So, Ben, congratulations. You win the hashtag prize tonight.
1: Well, look. You know, I, I'm pretty sure the plan was in place well before the group stage. Like, maybe they had an idea who they would want to bring in. Actually, from what I understand, this is the interesting part. From what I understand, Graham Zusi was the guy they wanted to bring in. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know if Peter Vermees stepped in and, and balked at it or balked at the idea of bringing in both Beesler and Zusi from the same team, which would have been a little unfair, you know. Um, considering they had already lost the, both those guys for a good chunk of June, so if you think about it from the standpoint of okay, they couldn't get who they wanted in in Zusi. They only planned on bringing in one center back in Beisler, and they kind of were forced to bring in Gonzalez. Maybe from that standpoint, you know, Klinsman had his idea in place before the tournament to go with Goodson as as his guy and and take a look at the Goodson Beisler combination because look. We all remember June, right? And we all remember every single game, seemingly, uh, where Matt Beestler would be a rock. He'd be steady. He'd be the guy. And Omar Gonzalez would have his mistakes and would have his shaky moments. Uh, you know, his his kind of mini meltdowns, uh, little mistakes here and there. That he still was a work in progress. So you can understand why Klinsman was would want to take a look at the Goodson beastler combination just to see how how viable it could be.
0: Next question comes from. Sorry, I lost my space. Comes from Aiden White. Simple question: Will you please open the show "Panama" by Van Halen?
1: No chance, buddy. No chance. In case you haven't figured it out by now, we are strictly old school hip hop, and there are a Whatever. million songs to choose from. And I plan to use them all. And you know what? If you don't like hip hop, that's tough. That's tough cookies. But if you kind of do like hip, if you kind of do like hip hop, and you're a younger listener. I'm going to try to give you an education on the quality <laughs> hip hop oh that was made in the 90s it. and the 2000 to 2010
0: that era, the golden era of hip hop. Actually, I don't want to give you credit for this, but you know, by having this hip hop, I think it gives me a little more street credit, no?
1: Well, having heard some of the songs you pick up for the, <laughs> the outros, uh, I could I could see how that would be the case. They're not
0: that bad. Uh, next question comes from Steve Hildago with Ronaldinho having won Copa Libertadores tonight. Is MLS next move?
1: I always thought he'd be here. I'd always thought I always thought he would come to MLS, um, but I don't know. You know, I mean, not that. Look, it'd be great if he came. It'd be, I think he'd do well. I think he, you know. Even though the whole Juninho disaster in New York uh, makes you kind of wary of bringing in the older Brazilian guys right now, but I don't know. For me, I think it would be great. I think he could do well. He'd obviously sell tickets. Uh, the one, the one recent development that you know I definitely am a fan of is there's word out now that that Imar, uh, the great Argentine playmaker, is considering MLS, and he's someone I'm pretty sure on this show I I, I suggested as a player who I thought could do to could, could be could be an MLS uh, signing. So we'll see we'll see who uh you know who MLS teams try to bring in this summer as designated players.
0: Nick uh, final question comes from your boy Chris McGuffin. I can't answer this question. Nor do I believe what or uh, what Ivis will say, nor do I disagree. So I am neutral in this. <laughs> I hate you for answering this one cuz I'm going to look like an idiot. Is it good slash bad for MLS teams to have academies outside of their area? Okay. First of all,
1: I'm going to preface this by, you know, offering some full disclosure that Gary Cleverly, our co-host, uh, works at one such academy. Right,
0: okay, everyone knows. Just keep going, keep going.
1: I don't think everyone does know. We got new listeners all the time. I'm just laying it out there. Uh, now, his employment at our at this academy has no bearing on my answer. I've said it before, so again, look. The United States is a huge country, a, a, a country way too big. For 16 American MLS academies to cover, it's just unrealistic. Uh, so you know what? If you can have some teams branch out into areas where there are no MLS teams, that can only help. It can only help the league, and it can only help American soccer because you serve a larger footprint in this country. Uh, and obviously, when you talk about certain teams in MLS, that they, they they don't have, they don't draw from the same sized pools same size talent pools because let's face it if you have if you're the galaxy and you're a smack dab in the heart of 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 just the factory of talent uh you know the factory of, of, of quality players coming out of that southern california area you know you don't need to go and put a team in some other state you have a ton of talent there just like in new jersey and just like in new york or you know or now Texas is 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 really starting uh, to blossom when it comes to producing talent. Yeah. However, you know, when you talk about a team like Real Salt Lake, there's just not a ton of talent in around there. You, so they kind of have to branch out. And Arizona is an ideal fit. And I think you're going to see more of that in, in from other teams. You, I think you have to because just look at a map. I'll tell you what. Do this exercise. If you have a big if you have a map of the US, take 16 pins, uh push pins and put them where the MLS teams the 16 American MLS teams are. Now look at that map and look at the huge gaps that exist on that map. And you know what? We need we need it's not a bad thing to send MLS uh to send MLS academies in to fill in some of those blanks. Because you know what? Those areas have potential for producing talent. And if you don't have uh pro teams kind of you know pioneering through and finding these new areas, then you're just missing out, and I don't see anything wrong with that at all.
0: Um, it's also like sunny in Arizona, like 340 days out of the entire year, and it rained for like five seconds uh, today. So, I mean, having the sun every single day, I mean, that's also why the That's also why the MLS teams uh, come to Arizona for spring training, which is a lot of fun. People should come out for that. It's a all very
1: right. This 30-second uh, this clip was brought to you
0: by <laughs> Casa Grande Sports. No, it was not. It was brought to you by the Arizona Board of uh, Trade and Commerce, our first sponsor. First sponsor, Ivis. There it was. Uh, I, hope that, I hope that check's in the mail. Yeah, it is in the mail. I'm sure you'll get it tomorrow. I'll nice. get it tomorrow, too. Um, well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today, man. Uh, you know, lots of stuff going on. If, if, stu- if people still want to, uh, you know, be, be in touch with everything because, you know, we moved the sh- show a day up early, you can still go to the website. I mean, Ivis will be pounding away the next couple of days. And, uh, I mean, I know you're excited to, uh, to head sh- to Chicago for the game on Sunday.
1: Uh, That I will. I will, I will actually uh, get to Chicago on game day. I will be there for the final. It's actually going to be my uh, fifth straight Gold Cup final. Got my little run going. Didn't want to miss it. And uh, and then from there, it's off to Kansas City for the MLS All-Star game. Uh, but I can tell you, it, 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 it will be interesting, the difference between the last time I was there for a Gold Cup final and this time, because in 2007, you had a absolute jam-packed soldier field for USA-Mexico. Now you're going to have a uh, far, far, far from jam-packed soldier field as all those Mexican fans who bought tickets uh, will not use them and will put them on eBay for a nickel. Uh, and I tell you what, if you're a USA fan and you live within driving distance of Chicago, you need to go. You you need to absolutely go because this is a great opportunity to have a final in a stadium jammed with US fans. And I gotta believe there's there's a there's a, a strong enough a uh, collection of American fans, U.S. nationally fans, in that area, and in driving distance area from Chicago, that can go there and see that game. Because I tell you what, I think it's gonna be a great game. I mean, look, the U.S. the U.S. are gonna be favored, but it's not a it's not a pushover. This Panama team is dangerous. This Panama team is good and experienced. And I've been saying it since the beginning that I felt this if there was a team other than the big two who could win it, it was Panama. And here they are, and they're going to give the U.S. fits. And think about this, folks. Panama has been eliminated from the last four Gold Cups by the United States. The past four. PKs in 05 in the final, quarterfinals in 07, quarterfinals in 09, semifinals in 2011. They absolutely are going to be desperate to finally beat the U.S., and they're going to come out and play. They're going to make it tough. But I'll tell you what, this U.S. team is playing so well. Landon Don is playing out of his mind. The defense is looking good. Nick Romano's is looking good. This U.S. team is just playing too well to pick against them. So you have to say they're the favorites and just the fact that they are the favorites and they should win and they're going to, and they should lift that trophy at Soldier Field. If you're a U.S. fan and you can drive there, how do you not go? You know, or if you're in Chicago, how do you not go? Cause you know, the tickets are going to be out there. You're going to you look, know, tickets will be available. That one you do not have to worry about. So hopefully fans – hopefully American fans take advantage of this this opportunity and fill that stadium.
0: I'm curious, Travis, you and what all-star team has been to the last five Gold Cup finals? Wait, what's that? Well, like you and who else? You said you went to the last five. I'm sure there's a couple other guys that have done it with you. I'm just curious. Gold Cup
1: finals? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I, let's see. The last five Gold Cup – the last four Gold Cup finals were in New Jersey, Chicago, New Jersey – and, oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. It's New Jersey, Chicago, New Jersey, L.A. So it's a little, you know, obviously two of those were in my home state. So that, it's not quite that impressive when you look at it that way. But it's still, you know, it's a pretty decent run. I don't think I'm the only one. I'm pretty sure, you know, like guys like Grant Wall and Steve Goff uh, are probably on that short list that have made it to, to, to the, all, you know, those, those four finals. But I tell you what, this one in Chicago is going to be a fun one. It's going to be – the crowd might not be – what it's been for for USA Mexico for the last three, but I think from a I think the competition standpoint, I think it's gonna be a great final. I think it's gonna be a fun final, two teams going at each other. But I'm gonna I, I tell you what, you gotta pick the US. They're playing too well not to pick them.
0: I was told me in complete secrecy before the show that if the US wins, be bottle service all night long in Chicago. Sheesh! <laughs> oh man, I
1: wish I was living like that. I tell you what, uh, I may or may not try to get a bottle in Kansas City. When they have uh when they have uh, there's a Kai, uh, Kai Kamara CJ Sapong uh the wait is it the original one uh, bumpy pitch uh the offside rules Cake TV everyone but us is is co-hosting a pool party in Kansas City at the All Star at the All Star Week and uh, I will be there so uh, I'll I'll have to check out the the bottle prices and see see what I can do
0: Damn I need to go to All Star Week.
1: Yeah, I tell you what, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good time. It's going to be a pretty good time. But no, listen, Chicago, love, 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 love that city. And I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wish I had more than a day there, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, I got some family stuff to take care of on Saturday, but Sunday I will land and hopefully find some time to enjoy some of the great food in Chicago. I will be having dinner uh, with some peeps in, in Chicago after the game. And uh, I tell you what, it's going to be a great game.
0: Well, Ivis, like I said, that wraps up the show today. Everyone, thank you for uh, listening to the show a day early. Ivis and I will have a show later this week on Saturday. We'll preview the Gold Cup final. It'll be a, uh, be a quick recap of the games. We'll preview the final. Ivis, have a good rest of the week. I'll talk to you on Saturday night, so we'll have that show up on Sunday.
1: That's right. Keep uh, keep an eye out for that next show. It's going to be brief. Uh, we'll recap the MLS uh, games from Saturday, and we will preview uh, that USA-Panama final and uh. And then uh, we'll take it from there.
0: Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. And as always, thank you for the support and questions. This is the SBI Show.